Thank you, Lord. Well, um, we've been talking, Byron's been doing a series here on the house of God and the different houses. How many people have been enjoying that? Starting with Bethel or Bethel and Jacob's ladder, you know, in the book of Genesis. And uh, here he, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize I'm in this place. God is here. I didn't even know it. This is the very house of God. You know, it's kind of the first mention of the house of God in the Bible. And then he's going through these seven things. I'm going to mention these here in just a minute. Um, these different houses of God throughout the Bible. And, uh, man, I've been really meditating on that this week. And as he was speaking last week, the Lord spoke to me about a key thing here that I want to share with you this morning. So I've entitled this message, Becoming the House of God in a Season of Awakening. Becoming the House of God in a Season of Awakening. Because if you're like me, which I have a guess that you probably are a little bit, whenever Byron is speaking, I'm always asking the Lord, what are you doing with me in this message, Lord? What does this have to do with me? What are you going after in my heart, in my life? How does this apply, in other words? So, if you will, I'm going to give a shot at kind of an application here of the house of God in our lives, particularly in a season of awakening. Now, let me see. How many people have a sense that, and it's not about hype, it's not about this has been prophesied for 28 years, but you have a sense that there's a shift in the spirit world right now, and God wants to just bust loose and do some things. I mean, I'm hearing from Venus that God is busting loose in some places, and I might get you to come up in a little bit, Venus, and share a testimony about your weekend. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a Well, Bob Jones was at our um, School of the Supernatural, which is going awesome, by the way, and uh, he was here this past week. And um, he was just repeating, really, what he was doing is repeating a word that the Lord has given him for a really long time. And that is that this year, 2012, is the beginning of the third great awakening in America. And he said, he just kind of matter-of-factly was like, you remember, in two months, the great awakening begins. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> Those are some pretty bold words. In fact, he said December 1st. Something big happens December 1st, or begins December 1st. I don't know, however that applies. So I'm looking at my little calendar there like, well, if I'm not mistaken, December 1st is just right around the corner. You know, so one of the things that I'm thankful about for you guys is everybody in here is poised, at least in your hearts, for a new season of awakening to begin. Isn't that true? How many people would just really love just just to get whacked by God this morning, <laughs> just, just to get intoxicated by a new wine of His presence, by a new touch, maybe in a way you've never experienced before. Because let me tell you, no matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been around, and how many times you've received a touch from God, there's always more. And there's always a new and a different way that God wants to do it. I mean, there might be old ways that God wants to do it. Because I was thinking, you know, they say wine gets better with age, right? But yet, there's this new wine the Bible speaks of. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's the new old wine. It's like, it gets really better with age, but it's a new season for it, in other words. It's that new time to take it off the shelf and pop that cork open. There's a new wine. So just hold your glass out there this morning. Say, Father, fill my cup. 
by faith, I partake in the new wine. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Woo! <laughs> you can feel the undertow in the Spirit, isn't that right, Jackie? That undertow in the Spirit. You can feel, and that's what a lot of people have been sensing, I've been hearing from people, is that, you know, right uh, when you're in the, in the ocean or something, right before there's a wave building, there's that undercurrent that kind of pulls back and then goes out, and that wave begins to build. You can kind of sense that right here. You can sense that God is it's building something, and he, He's releasing it right now. And um, I know there's people getting touched all over America, all over the world right now. I mean, all you got to do, one of the great things about technology, just get on the Internet and find out what God's doing. I mean, it's powerful. Like, well, Dean mentioned, I mean, Muslim terrorists are having Jesus appear to them in their dreams and getting radically saved. Unbelievable. I saw, I want to share this movie with you guys here coming up real soon. I'm going to find some dates, but this movie Father of Lights that Darren Wilson produced, there's this guy who for 20 years, 20 years ago he had a, um, the audible voice of God spoke to him. He was about to commit suicide. The audible vo voice of God spoke to him, and he got radically saved. And for 20 years, every morning at 4 a.m., he hears God speak to him audibly and tells him what to do that day. He lives in, I believe it's northern India, and so it's very desperate time. So anyway, on this movie, I'll show it to you, but I'll ruin it for you a little bit. Um, <laughs> real quick story about what God's doing is there was this Hindu Maharishi, which I think I'm saying that right, it's like a guru of gurus. And he had a dream one night, and in the dream, he saw Jesus. He didn't know about Jesus, but he saw this man, and, and, he, the, and Jesus said, I want you to go to this temple in this city, another city, and you're going to find a man, and he gave him a description in this dream. So he goes there, and this guy who got born again 20 years ago, the Lord told him on a particular day, you're to go to this city this day, and when you get there, you're going to find an, a man with a white beard and a, a saffron robe and a turban on his head. And you're to go and you're to tell him about me. So, so these two guys have these um, experiences independently. They show up at this temple on this day in a certain city, which neither one of them are from. And this guy, the Christian minister, he arrives there and he walks up, he begins to talk to this man. They go away to this private location and this guru of gurus has influence on tens of thousands of Hindus. He is so ripe for the picking because he had seen Jesus in a dream and this guy tells him of the good news of the gospel and about the one true God and the man gets radically saved. And you can see it right there on film. Darren Wilson captures the whole, it's not just like the guy telling the testimony. He captures the whole thing on film, and then um, he hears back from him later on that he's gone back and he shared the gospel with all the people that he has influence on, and people are getting born again all over the place in this all Hindu area. You know, it's just like, wow, my goodness, Lord, you're doing some really good stuff. How many know that's a lot better than CNN? Even Fox News. I mean, that's a lot better news than all the bad news in America today. So I think church should be a place where you come and you hear a good news report. You know, you hear a good news report. Oh, man. 
So the wave is rising. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the house of God. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, this was the Father's plan from the beginning. This was the Father's plan from the beginning. Oh, step out of fear, step into favor. Step out of fear, step into favor. I just feel that. Didn't somebody come up here and break fear off? Marlon gave me a word fear about no fear. Step out of fear and into favor. When you leave one thing, you come to the next thing. Out of fear and into favor. It's a mind shift. It's really what repentance means. It's change your mind. So I guess you could say I'm asking you to repent this morning. <laughs> I don't mean weep and wail. I mean just change your mind. Believe that you're blessed and highly favored. It's not just like a little cliche that my wife has on a little note card posted on the refrigerator or on the bedroom mirror. That's great. But it's more than that. It's something that you own. How many people know you can quote and read something every day and not own it? It's something that you own. Why? Because you own it by the Spirit of God. And God's doing something in our hearts right now. He's working something very, very, very deep. And it's for the great awakening. It's for the great awakening. Because as the great awakening comes, and it certainly will, <laughs> with or without us, it's coming. But I think we want to be in on it. And to be laborers in the harvest, we have to step out of fear and we have to step into favor. And one of the things that I noticed as Byron was speaking on the tabernacle of Moses is that the children of Israel, which have some, God has something to show us this morning about their story, in the book of Exodus, there was a key there that I really, the Lord was impressing on my heart. So turn to Exodus 19. If you've got your smartphone Bible, click on it. <laughs> or just look at it on the screen, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Before I go to there, let me review the seven houses of God with you. Number one, Bethel, right? Jacob's ladder is in Genesis. What was that what chapter? Was that Genesis 15? Genesis 28. Sorry, Genesis 28. Secondly, the tabernacle of Moses. It's in Exodus. Third, the tabernacle of David. Fourth, that um, tabernacle became Solomon's temple. David's son built the temple. That temple got destroyed, and the fifth um, house of God is the rebuilt temple, or the restored temple. And then finally, our next to last, is Christ himself becomes the house of God. As he comes on the scene, as he's born in a manger, and lives his life, and dies in our place, and the atonement takes place over the doorposts of our houses, literally Passover happens spiritually for every single one of us, Jew and Gentile. And then, I believe, from the beginning of the story, God intended for us to be the house of God. But um, 
plan B. <laughs> plan B was we went through all these scenarios till finally after Christ, he's going away. He passes the baton to you and me and says, all right, guys, it's your turn now. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Corinthians says? Paul says, you are, Linda, the temple of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's what I was meditating on. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think what's so profound about the things Byron's teaching us is if you look at all the things that happens and around and in that temple, it's like, oh my goodness, it's all right inside of me? God chose to do that right inside of me? He chose for His glory to reside, all His goodness to be there? Oh my, my... my you know, conscience tells me that it's not good, that I, there's not goodness there. The glory of God, Christ in you, Paul says in Colossians, it's all right inside of us. Mm. You see, I think that with Adam and Eve, you know, God had a plan A, and that was to live with man in their state that he originally intended. Don't you think so? But he gave us free will. So, you know, uh, has anybody ever felt like, is there a plan B or a plan C for my life? Because I sure did do a good job of screwing up plan A. <laughs> or plan L or triple S. You know, you've got that many times around the mountain. I really believe that. Now, I don't want to get off into theology and that debate. That could take us somewhere I don't intend this morning. But I think that something tells us innately inside of us that that's got to be true in our lives. Because I'm telling you, there's been times where I thought, man, I have tried to mess up my life for good, and God won't let me. You know, it's like, not intentionally, but just through mistakes and bad choices. So God is so faithful. And so as we come to Exodus 19, what didn't work out with Adam and Eve in the garden it looks like God is trying another shot. He's trying to... Let's go to the scripture here. Exodus 19, 1. In the third month... Everybody say the third month. third month. I don't know why I had you say third month. It just seems significant. I really don't. It's just the number three is cool. I don't know. But seriously... They came out of Egypt... After, it was only three months is what really stood out to me. Only three months later, after they had been slaves, they'd just gone through the whole, you know, shebang. And man, it must have been something. Yeah, the number three. Three days in the grave, three days. There you go. Three days, Mount Moriah, the Trinity, all that. It's very significant. For they had departed from Rephidim and come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now let me stop right there, because during worship the Lord gave me a word about this one particular verse. I bore you on eagles' wings. What does that sound like? Isaiah, what does Isaiah say? Wait on the Lord. 
and I'll renew your strength. And you'll mount up like what? On eagles' wings. You shall walk and not be weary. You shall run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Something like that. I might have butchered Isaiah's prophecy, but you get the point. On eagles' wings. Well, so God's saying, I delivered you out of slavery as on eagles' wings. That's the analogy, right? They didn't fly over the Red Sea, I don't believe. It's an analogy. He brought them out of slavery. And I feel like the Spirit of God said, during the season, I'm raising up Moses' right now. What The name Moses means out of the water. Out of this river, river life that you've been in, he's bringing you up out of the water as deliverers to set captives free. Now, some of us need some deliverance ourselves from some situations or something, something. How many people know what I'm talking about? Like, you're crying out, and we did this this morning, cry out for deliverance. Cry out for God to touch you. Byron led us in this. Cry out for what you need in your life. And the Lord said, I'm raising up Moses's right now. I've raised them up. You're being brought out of the river in order to... be. Uh, be put on eagles' wings to fly out of your situation. So anyway, grab a hold of that one if you want it. That's a freebie there. <laughs> now therefore, verse 5, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. That is such an interesting verse, a special treasure. What interesting language that's used there. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. We will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Mo Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. What did the people say? They said, We will do it, right? We will do it. We will keep the covenant. We will keep the commands. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Okay, so then throughout the middle part of the chapter, they go through this whole consecration process, right? This whole purifica purification process and such. And then um, down to verse 16, I believe it is. Then it came to pass on the... Third day, oh, there's the three again. On the third day in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. 
And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Now, if you keep reading, and for the sake of time we don't have time to do that, I'm just going to summarize. But if you keep reading on through the rest of chapter 19, chapter 20, and 21, in first glance, okay, and I've read this so many times I've lost count. At first glance, it seems like the way that the story is, is that God set a boundary for the people that they could not cross, okay, and then, um, but then he chose Moses and some of the elders and Moses' sidekick Joshua and said, all right, now you come up here. Okay, on first glance, that's what it appears. But I'm going to submit to you this morning that I don't believe that's completely accurate. In fact, the reason that I say that is because if you look over at ch uh, chapter 20, verse 18, do I have that on the screen? Yeah, I think so. Exodus 20:18. Here's what it says. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, now here's the pivotal moment. This is the key moment right here. They said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear you, but let not God speak with us lest we die. I mean, I'd be scared. They are terrified. I mean, there's smoke, there's lightning flashes. Anybody scared of thunderstorms? How about your dog? Is your dog scared of thunderstorms? <laughs> Chuck used to have a dog. He had to tranquilize the thing. <laughs> thunderstorms. <laughs> I mean, it can be scary, right? And nonetheless, there's no rain clouds and this is happening. You know, they are scared. Plus, they've had some things happen where they know the fear of the Lord. You know, they know this is not a guy to be messed with. Plus, they've gone through this thing where God says, consecrate yourselves. And then he tells Moses, set these boundaries. Don't let them break out here or I'll break out against them. And all this is happening. So... I would think, okay, yeah, that's the deal. Is God chose his anointed deliverer Moses to go up and kind of be the pastor, get the message from God, the priest, come down, deliver it, except for verse 20. Look at the next verse. And Moses said to the people, wait a second, <laughs> do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. I think Moses is like, wait a second, guys. Wait, 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 wait. I know I'm scared too. Listen, I see everything you do, but listen, this is a big test. God needs you to be consecrated because he's a holy God. Okay, and sin, you know, before Jesus' sacrifice at this time, sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God or he'll break out and get you. But he intends for you to be a whole nation of priests, not just me. This isn't just about one guy. This is about a whole nation. What are there, four million at this point or two million? Somewhere in there. There's a million, there's a bunch of million people. A couple million people, let's just put it that way. 
We, I, he intends for all of you guys to come before him. I'm going to lead you. You need to promise to obey the way that he set this up. But the reason I'm saying this is because back at the beginning of 19, he says, I intend to be a kingdom, that you would be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You're my special treasure. I don't think he intended for just Moses to have all these later encounters that I love to talk about and preach on. And me and Marlon like to get together one-on-one. Oh, the glory. You know, and I just want to see your glory, God. And, you know, all these things. I think those encounters, as wonderful as they, they were for Moses in the 70 and all. You remember Byron read that one where they got to go up and have a cookout in, uh, on the sapphire pavement? Up on top of the mountain, they went up there and it said it looked like the very heavens. They saw pavement and, st- and uh, blue stones. And then they ate and drank with God up there, you know. Okay. So he intended that for all mankind. Isn't that true? If not, then why is that not? Okay, is that our in- is intention for us today? Absolutely. Then why not back then? It was his intention from the very beginning for the whole tribe of Israel to be involved, to be his people, to speak face to face. But what held them back? Fear. So again, on the whole sovereignty versus man's choice thing, God went to plan B. (laughs) Might have been plan D or C or F at this point, but he went to another plan. And ultimately, that's what we're coming to, where we come to the house of God being in Christ, and then the house of God ultimately being us. That's what he intended from the beginning. So take heart this morning. If your life is taking an unforeseen detour, God's in control. He works all things together for good. He's got your back. He's going to take care of it. God... Nothing catches him off guard, but yet he did create free will. I don't pretend to understand that or completely have it figured out in my mental capacity to be able to explain it in the English language. I'll speak in tongues for ten minutes. Maybe you can get something. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just a joke. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Shabbat, I don't know. Since I don't know where to go with this message, the rest will be in tongues. Oh, Paul's like, man, you're messed up. <laughs> Told you not to do that. <laughs> so the Lord's burned this word in my heart. Oh, and uh, Byron was talking about last week how uh, with the tabernacle of David, how uh, when the priests would go in to the Holy of Holies, they would tie a cord, a rope, to his leg, right, just in case he went down, the wrath of God broke out against him, in case he went down so they could pull him out, and nobody else would have to die getting his sorry carcass out of there, you know, I was like, man, bells on the bottom of their, are those the original uh, bell bottoms, the original bell bottoms, that was, They were pulling in the 70s, baby. Pulling in the 70s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that 
They tied the rope in case he died. That was the first tie-dye. That, that was Dean's joke. It was Dean's joke. Don't, don't blame me for that one on the, ta- on the, on the recording. <laughs> the 77, God's number. Oh, that was a Becky right there. Okay, okay, stop, please. Nobody else say anything. Keep going. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was, so I was asking the Lord, um, I was asking the Lord about this because I really felt his heart stirring on this thing, but I had a problem like, what is the connection, God? between this fear that they felt that obviously part of it was right, you know, because there's a real fear of the Lord, but part of it was an unrighteous fear. And I felt like just this morning he said this to me. He said, it was their lack of consecration that kept them in fear. Today, our lack of revelation keeps us in fear. And that's a revelation of the grace of God. Because when you lack revelation on the grace of God, you wake up every morning feeling like you don't belong. You feel like you're never going to get it right, because you don't. (laughs) You feel like an orphan spiritually, and you have a constant fear or question, even if you've moved on, to if you're going to heaven when you die. Some people have that. But more of like the sense of, do I measure up? You know, is my Father pleased? Have I prayed enough? Have I tithed enough? Have I, you know, all the enoughs? Have I done all the right things for my Father to be pleased? You know, that whole thing that we've talked a lot about, that's the fear that's an unrighteous fear. It's an unholy fear. And as we approach this season of an awakening, I feel like God wants to continue to deal with that in our hearts. Because a lack of revelation puts us in the mind frame where they were of a lack of consecration. You see what I'm saying? Because if they lacked holiness, if they lacked a sacrifice, a lacked a purification, then God, without the covering of the blood of Christ, could and would break out against them. So that was the thing. They couldn't get beyond that. They couldn't really trust Moses when he said, no, 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 really. You've consecrated yourselves. Just follow me. You know, let's go on up. This is going to be cool. They're like, nah, mm-mm. nah, I don't think so. I don't want to do that, you know. And so we have here in the history of humanity, you know, this laity uh, pastor divide, you know, that people... You know, people of all churches and stuff come and they just want to get a word from the Lord, from the pastor, the prophet. Do you have a word for me? And Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know what I'm saying. It's like instead of, no, wait a second, we're a family, we're a kingdom of priests. You know, you've got the Spirit of God, you've got the glory realm, the tabernacle of David, Moses, and all the above, it dwells inside of you if you're saved, you know. Instead of that, we're wanting somebody else to give us something because there's a fear that comes from that orphan thing that I was talking about. You wake up and you're like, well, you know. And the reason I know that is because I live years of my Christian life, a huge majority of my Christian life with that. 
Do you ever, uh, does anybody journal? Have you ever gone back and read your journals from like several years ago? It's kind of alarming, isn't it? I mean, there's good stuff in there. But some of it, I'm like, what am I, David being chased by Saul? I mean, <laughs> who is this emo kid writing in his journal? Like, was I in the goth scene back then? Like, what is going on? Because every, it seemed like every other day, it's probably just the days I felt this way I actually journaled and I didn't the other days, the good days, because I was looking for something to self-medicate, you know? Well, maybe if I journal, I'll feel better. You know, but it's just like this loathing and this, this woe is me and this groaning. And it's encouraging to me personally because I feel like, wow, how much I've grown from that, but I sympathize with some of you sitting in this room who are still under that thing. And that's not an accusation because the Father loves you. And I didn't get out of that through um, condemnation. There was no time where I felt like, okay, that's it, buddy. If you don't repent and stop doing this, then I'm going to strike you down right now. You know, it was actually the goodness of the Lord that brought me to change my mind. That The goodness of the Lord brings us to repentance or to change our mind about something. And it was a process, but lo and behold, it's like, I just realized, why am I doing this? This is not the way that the Father views things. This is not His mindset. This is not His perspective on me. He loves me. He has a whole world, a whole kingdom in store for me to participate in and to live and to be a part of. It's awesome. It's exciting. And guess what's the best part? It doesn't depend on what you do or what you don't do. I wrote down this lyric from one of the songs Jacob's been doing this week and last, and it says, By the blood that was shed, I stand in holiness. By the blood that was shed, I stand in holiness. Do you really believe that? I mean, really, come on. No joking around. <laughs> Do you really believe that you are completely 100% holy? I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? By the blood that was shed. The blood that was shed bought, paid for our holiness. We are completely holy. And see, that's where it ties into this awakening. We need that revelation. Because it's probably one of the biggest things that's going to hold you and I back from the Lord really using us as His tool and His instrument in an awakening is this thing that tells me, well, you're not really holy. I mean, you know, what about da-da-da? You know, what about such and such? What about those unrighteous attitudes or that lust in your heart or whatever it is? You know, what about your anger issues? You know, what about? Well, here's the interesting thing. Let me just finish up here. Here's the interesting thing about the children of Israel. I was thinking about this. Where did Moses start? If I had time, I'd go back and read to you when God called him at the burning bush. You remember that? And he said, you know, he'd been in exile for 40 years, right? And God said, go back and set my people free. He begged God not to send him. 
He's like, I, 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 I don't even talk good, God. I, 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 you know, he's like, I've been stuttering my whole, I, I got a speech impediment, and, you know, all that. He was like, I can't. And God was like, all right, all right, well, uh, your brother Aaron, your brother Aaron will go with you, plan B, you know, and he'll go with you if you won't do it, you knucklehead. And go back, and he'll speak for you. He'll be your voice piece. And even after all that, you know, and he had the whole bush on fire and all these signs and wonders that I'm thinking like, man, I would totally be like, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you say, God. You know, I mean, because it's so obvious God's speaking to you. But even at the end of that, he goes, oh, God, please send someone else. That's where this all started. And now this dude is leading the whole millions of people who were saying, nah, (laughs) you go up, Mo. We're going to hang back. You go find out what the word of the Lord is. Come back and tell us because we like to eat another meal, live another day. You know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it just shows us the human condition. It hasn't changed. You and the person sitting next to you are no different in terms of your human nature as Moses was. Or any of these children in the desert even though it was 4,000 whatever years ago. Now let me just end with this, just because I think it's a really good, cool thing that God does. As you go through the story here, over in Exodus 23, God's telling them all kinds of stuff, gives them the uh, blueprints for the tabernacle, and uh, all that. And then over in chapter 23, wait, how did I get an axe? (laughs) I'm over in Acts, looking for chapter 23. God says, hey, listen, guys, if this isn't enough, behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. When God's getting ready to do something, biblically, he always sends an angel to prepare the way. In other words, we're not alone. How many people believe there are harvesting angels? There's breakthrough angels, there's revival angels, there's healing angels that have been commissioned. So it always helps me to be reminded and remember these things because when I'm getting ready to step out in something and I'm getting ready to just step out there in faith and believe God wants to do this, it helps me to remember, oh yeah, I'm not alone. God's commissioned other, these spiritual beings that are to accompany me, that are giving us messages and who are accompanying us in our ministry, uh, whether it's praying for the sick, whether it's speaking the word of God to people, telling them about Christ, whatever. These angels, God said here in Exodus, listen, take heart, they're going with you. Amen? Anybody getting free this morning? I hope this is speaking to your heart because I really feel like God wants to continue to do this work in us, even though for me standing up here saying it, it almost feels like repetitive about this orphan spirit thing and whatever. But the only thing I can figure out is God is a gracious God. And He just He's always good. His mercy endures forever. And He wants to continually remind us and bring us to new levels of freedom for this time that's coming. Venus, before we finish here, can you come up here and tell, tell us about this, uh, this thing that you went to this weekend? This is really good. I asked her to share.
or I think I asked you to share, I don't remember. We just said, come on, Lord, break out in revival this morning. Okay, um, I went up to Pittsburgh where they were doing a revival. Pastor John Kilpatrick, you know, is the guy that where the Brownsville revival started. And he's been, um, they've been having revivals in Alabama since July of 2010 with a guy named, uh, evangelist named Nathan Morris, who is from England. And I don't chase down <laughs> revivals and things like that. I mean, I don't, I don't usually do things like that, but I just really felt compelled to go and uh, met some friends up there who were um, here from Israel. They're actually living in Israel, but they're here right now. And um, But in this revival, I mean, there were things going on, but the thing the guy said, you know, was that we we really need revival. I mean, if you see what's going on in Israel and you see what's going on here in the States and everything like that, that we really need to be in a desperate place. You know that the church needs to be in a desperate place and that that's going to come in revival and that the revival comes in repentance. And, you know, the thing that um, there were things happening. I mean, there was a guy who had this uh, tumor like mass you could see on his head. And and he, the um, Nathan Morris, like just laid hands on him and just started just praying over him. And the worship was just like so intense. I mean, the thing that I noticed it was so much unity in the worship. And that's one of the things that he said that the healings and everything like that comes out of the worship. And this thing just like just went away. I mean, there was, I mean, you could see it. I mean, there was no denying it. And it just was like, you know, just went away. And um, you know, and so, and and the thing that he says too is like, you can't wait, you can't wait for somebody to come and touch you, because it's the Holy Spirit that's touching people, you know. And like he, he's like, if you're here and you're needing a miracle or you're needing some of the breakthrough in your life and stuff, if you're waiting for me, you're gonna miss out, you know. And that's what the Lord is saying to us. If we're waiting for somebody else to bring this thing to us, to bring revival in our own hearts, we're gonna miss out yeah. if we don't just reach out and grab a hold of it. You know, and everything, and, and, you know, he had this word over me. He just said that, you know, that, that the Lord, was, that I had been redefined. And, and it was kind of crazy because Jackie, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, was saying to me, you know, what's going to define you? You know, what is going to define you? What is going to be your testimony and everything? And then so for the Lord to say that to me in Pittsburgh, to say, you've been redefined. You know, I feel like that's what he wants to do here. He wants to redefine river life. You know, we've suffered a lot of loss over the last three years, but it's time to have gain. It's time for us to see the healings that we're wanting. It's time to see breakthroughs coming through. You know, there's a lot of people unemployed. I'm unemployed, but I'm not unemployed in the kingdom. You know, and that's the difference. Like, okay, you know, it doesn't, we cannot let the circumstances around us matter. You know, we've got to live in the kingdom. We've got, there's no middle of the road anymore. There's not for me. I mean, and I've, I'm the only one. I'm the only one, but I'm just not living in the middle of the road anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tell about that word of knowledge you grabbed a hold of for Chris. Yeah. Um. He was um. Nathan Morris. Like the first night we were, he was there, and he actually like at the tail end of the thing. Um. You know, and this thing was being streamed live. God TV was there, so it was on um, Direct TV at the time. But he actually called out. He said, "There's a guy at home, a man at home." That's right, right lung is just being consumed with disease, you know, just being consumed. You know, and I just grabbed a hold of that for Chris because I know, I know that Chris already has his healing. 
you know, and that we really got to just keep standing and fighting for him. But the healing's already there, so we can't, we don't ask for healing anymore. We're asking for the manifestation of the healing he already has to come forth. So when he's feeling nauseated, we go after the nausea, but he's already healed. You know, and, and so it was just like we just grabbed a hold of that, and we have to grab a hold of those things because that's where we're going to get it. You know, if we're just sitting around passive and waiting for some grandeur to happen, we're, we're missing it, people. We're missing it, you know. So. Amen. Let's pray for Chris right now. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we release that healing into Chris's body. In Jesus' name, we say lungs be clear right now. Manifest in Chris's body. We speak the word of the Lord right now. We stand on that. We say be healed in Jesus' name. Chris, let that body be renewed in the name of Jesus. We command that mass in his lungs to go away, to disappear, to dissolve. We curse it right now in the name of Jesus. We say be removed from his body. We curse all the cancer cells in his body right now and command them to go in Jesus' name. Let a refreshing come on him right now. Right now where he's sitting, let a refreshing just come on him, God. Let the wind of heaven just blow through him, Lord. Lord, we just speak to his appetite, God. We just say that he would just get a cannibal appetite, God, that he would just want to eat so much, Lord, to feed his body, to gain strength, Lord, just natural strength in his body. Put weight on his bones, God. Lord, just raise him up right now with just total strength, Lord. Just strength throughout his body, Lord, just food, Lord, your manna, God, and even food in the natural, Lord. Give him that supernatural appetite, Lord, the desire, the desire to come to the table, Lord. Just give him that relief. Release that desire right now to come to the table, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just stand up right now, and uh, I just want to pray for uh, just pray for awakening. Just ask God to do this in our hearts, and if we can have our ministry team come up here, I feel like there's there's some people here that are just really hungry for a touch this morning. I believe God's here, just wants to touch you again um, this morning as He already has, but. Um, Lord, we just, so if you want to, if you want to come on up here, you can, but I just want to pray right now. Just agree with me. Father, we thank you that you've commissioned in our generation for the greatest outpouring of your spirit in the history of mankind. We thank you, Lord, and we just release right now. We ask you to release, Father, Lord, the awakening in our community. Lord, we pray that men and women and little children, God, we pray that you would come to them that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, that you would reveal your heart. We pray that the most hardened of hearts, God, that you would come to them in their dreams, that you would speak to them audibly, Lord. God, Lord, we pray that you would just do the most fantastic miracles ever seen. Lord, we just pull in the limbs, the arms and legs, Lord, that uh, that, that are going to grow out, Lord. We just... Pull those things in this morning, God, and we say, let our faith be as one, Lord. Let our faith be as one, Lord. Here in this body, God, we want to be the body of Christ here in our community, God. So we say, Lord, let this thing come. We just pull it in this morning, God, and just ask you to do this mighty work, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God, I just ask you to break off unrighteous fear. Lord, um, just fear of the future, fear of the past, Lord. 
Fear of the present. We break it off right now. Poor self-esteem, God. We just break it off right now. Lord, those condemning voices that aren't from You, we just break it off right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. Just set us free this morning, God. Set us free this morning. Thank You, Lord. We love You, God. (laughs) We love You, Lord. Amen. So, if you just want to touch... You just want the Lord to touch you, the Holy Spirit to touch you fresh. Invite you to come on up. Be blessed. Have a great rest of your weekend.